Chapter Three of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Five by Eugène Sue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Clerk's Office. Several days had elapsed since Jacques Ferrand had taken Cecily into his service. We will conduct the reader, who already knows the place, into the notary's office whilst his clerks are at breakfast. Unheard of, extravagant, wonderful thing instead of the meagre and repulsive broth brought each morning to these young men by the late madame seraphin an enormous cold roast turkey placed in a large box was enthroned in the centre of one of the office tables flanked by two new loaves a dutch cheese and three bottles of wine an ancient leaden inkstand served to hold a mixture of pepper and salt each clerk provided with a knife and a strong appetite awaited the arrival of the head clerk with hungry impatience without whom they could not without a breach of etiquette begin to breakfast a revolution so radical in jacques ferrand's office bespoke some extraordinary domestic mutation the following conversation may throw some light on this phenomenon here is a turkey who did not expect when he was ushered into life ever to appear on the breakfast-table of our governor's clerks no more than the governor when he was ushered into the life of a notary expected to give his clerks a turkey for breakfast but at least the turkey is ours said the junior fag of the office with a greedy grin hop the gutter my friend you forget yourself this poultry is and must be a stranger to you and like a good frenchman you should have a wholesome hatred of the stranger all that will come to your share may be his feet emblem of the velocity with which you run on the office errands i thought i might at least have a right to the carcass to pick muttered hop the gutter perchance as an excessive favour but not as a right just as with the charter of eighteen fourteen which was but another carcass of liberty said the mirabeau of the office talking of carcasses observed one youth with brutal insensibility may heaven receive the soul of madame seraphin for since she was drowned in her water-party of pleasure we are no longer condemned to eternal cag-mag and for a whole week the governor instead of giving us breakfast allows us each two francs a day it was that which made me say heaven receive the soul of mother seraphin talking of madame seraphin who has seen the servant who has come in her place the alsatian girl whom the portress of the house in which poor louise lived brought one evening as the porter told us yes parbleu it is quite impossible to get a glimpse of her for the governor is more resolute than ever in preventing us from entering into the pavilion in the courtyard and besides as it is the porter who now cleans out the office how can one see this damsel well i've seen her you when i say i've seen her i've seen her cap such a rum cap oh pooh what sort it was cherry-coloured velvet i think a kind of skull-cap like the by a broom girls wear like the alsacienne why that's simple enough as she is an alsacienne i was passing across the yard the day before yesterday and she was leaning with her back against one of the windows of the ground floor what the yard no donkey no the servant the panes of the lower part are so dirty that i could not see much of the alsacienne but those in the middle of the window were not so grubby and i saw her cherry-coloured cap and a profusion of curling hair as black as jet for she had her head dressed a la titus i am sure the governor has not seen even as much as that through his spectacles for he is one who as they say if he were left alone with one woman on the earth then the world would end that is not astonishing 
he laughs best who laughs last and the more so as punctuality is the politeness of monarchs jupiter how stupid chalamel is when he likes deuce take it tell me where you go and i'll tell you who you are beautiful as for me i think it is superstition which makes our governor more and more hoggish and perhaps it is as a penitence that he gives us forty sous a day for our breakfast he must indeed have taken leave of his senses or be ill i have thought him very much bewildered these many days past it is not that we see so much of him he who for our misery was in his study at sunrise and always at our backs is now two days without even poking his nose into the office that gives the head clerk so much to do and we are obliged to die of hunger waiting for him this morning what a change in the office how poor germain would be astonished if any one told him only think old fellow of the governor giving us forty sous for our breakfast pooh impossible quite possible and i chalamel announce the fact in my own proper person what you want to make me laugh yes well this is the way it came about for two or three days which followed the death of madame seraphin we had no breakfast at all and in one respect that was an improvement because it was less nasty but in another our refection cost us money still we were patient saying the governor has no servant or housekeeper as soon as he gets one we shall resume the filthy paste gruel no by no means my dear germain the governor has a servant and yet our breakfast continued buried in the wave of oblivion then i was appointed as a deputation to inform the governor of the griefs of our stomachs he was with the chief clerk i will not feed you any longer in the morning he replied in his harsh tone and as if thinking of something else my servant has no time to prepare your breakfast but sir it was agreed that you should find us in breakfast well send for your breakfast from some house and i will pay for it how much is sufficient forty sous each he added all the time evidently thinking of something else and saying forty sous as he would say twenty sous or a hundred sous yes sir forty sous will be sufficient cried i catching the ball at the bound be it so the head clerk will pay you and settle with me and so saying the governor respectfully slammed the door in my face you must own messieurs that germain would be most extraordinarily astonished at the liberality of the governor seriously i think the governor is ill for the last ten days he has scarcely been recognizable his cheeks are so furrowed you could hide your fist in them and so absent you should just see him the other day he lifted his spectacles to read a deed and his eyes were as red and glaring as fiery coals he was right short reckonings make long friends let me say a word i will tell you gentlemen something very strange i handed this deed to the governor and it was topsy-turvy the governor how strange what could he mean by topsy-turvying thus enough to choke him unless as you say his habits are so completely altered oh what a fellow you are chalamel i say i gave him the deed wrong end upwards wasn't he in a rage not the slightest he did not even notice it but kept his great red eyes fixed upon it for at least ten minutes and then handed me back the deed saying very good what still topsy-turvy yes 
then he couldn't have read it pardieu not unless he can read upside down how odd the governor looked so dull and cross at the moment that i did not dare to say a word and so i left him just as if nothing had occurred well four days ago i was in the head clerk's office there came a client then two or three clients with whom the governor had appointments they got tired of waiting and at their request i went and knocked at his study door no answer so in i went well m jacques ferrand had his arms crossed on his desk and his bald and not over delicate forehead leaning on his hands he never stirred was he asleep i thought so and went towards him sir there are clients waiting with whom you have made appointments he didn't stir sir no answer then i touched his shoulder and he bounced up as if the devil had bitten him in his start his large green spectacles fell from his eyes on to his nose and i saw you'll never believe it well what tears oh what nonsense quite true what the governor's snivel no i won't have that when that's the case why cockchafers will play the cornet a piston and cocks and hens wear top boots ta 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 all your folly will not prevent my having seen what i did see as plain as i see you weeping yes weeping and he was in such a precious rage at being surprised in this lachrymose mood that he adjusted his spectacles in great haste and said to me get out get out but sir get out three clients are waiting to whom you have given appointments and i have not time let them go to the devil along with you then he got up in a desperate rage to turn me out but i didn't wait and went and dismissed the clients who were not by any means satisfied but for the honour of the office i told them that the governor had the whooping cough this interesting conversation was interrupted by the head clerk who entered apparently quite overcome his arrival was hailed by general acclamation and all eyes were sympathetically turned towards the turkey with impatient anxiety without saying a word seigneur you have kept us waiting an infernally long while said chalamel take care another time our appetite will not remain so subordinate well gents it was no fault of mine i have had much to annoy me more than you have on my word and honour the governor must be going mad didn't i say so but that need not prevent one eating on the contrary we can talk just as well with something in our mouths we can talk better cried hop the gutter whilst chalamel dissecting the turkey said to the head clerk what makes you think that the governor is mad we have a right to suppose he is perfectly beside himself when he allows us forty sous a head for our daily breakfast i confess that has surprised me as much as yourselves gents but that is nothing absolutely nothing to what has just now occurred really what has the unhappy old gent become so decidedly lunatic that he insists on our dining at the cadran bleu every day at his expense theatre in the evening then coffee with punch to follow and then gents laugh as much as you please but the scene i have just witnessed is rather alarming than pleasant well then relate this scene to us yes do don't mind your breakfast observed chalamel we are all ears and jaws my lads i think i see whilst i am talking working away with your teeth 
and the turkey would be finished before my tale by your leave patience and the story shall come in with the dessert whether it was the spur of appetite or curiosity which incited the young men we will not decide but they went through their gastronomic operation with such celerity that the moment for the head's clerk history came in no time in order that they might not be surprised by their employer they sent hop the gutter into the adjoining room as a sentinel having liberally supplied him with the carcass and drumsticks of the bird the head clerk then said to his colleagues you must know in the first place the porter has been very uneasy for he has frequently seen m ferrand in spite of the cold and rain pace the garden at night for a considerable time once he ventured to ask his master if he wanted anything but he sent him about his business in such a manner that he has not again ventured to intrude himself perhaps the governor is a sleepwalker that is not probable but to continue a short time since i wanted his signature to several papers as i was turning the handle of his door i thought i heard someone speaking i stopped and made out two or three repressed sounds like stifled groans after pausing an instant in fear i opened the door and saw the governor kneeling on the floor his forehead buried in his hands and his elbows resting on the seat of one of his old armchairs oh it's all plain enough he has turned pious and was saying an extra prayer well then it was a strong prayer enough i heard stifled groans and every now and then he murmured between his teeth mon dieu mon dieu mon dieu like a despairing man then and this is very singular in a movement when he made as if to tear his breast with his nails his shirt came partly open and i saw on his hairy chest a small red pocket-book fastened around his neck by a steel chain when i saw that i did not really know whether i ought to retreat or advance i remained however very much embarrassed when he rose and suddenly turned around holding between his teeth an old check pocket-handkerchief his spectacles were left on the chair let me say gents that i never in my life saw such a figure he looked like one of the damned i retreated really in alarm then he sees you by the throat you are quite wrong he looked at me first with a bewildered air then letting fall his handkerchief he threw himself into my arms exclaiming oh i am very unhappy what a farce well but that did not prevent his voice in spite of his death's head look from being so distressing i may say so imploring imploring come come no gammon why there is no night owl with a cold in her head which is not music to the governor's voice that may be but yet at this moment his voice was so plaintive that i was almost affected sir i said to him believe me let me let me replied he interrupting me it is so consoling to be able to say to any one that we are suffering he evidently mistook me for some other person you may suppose that when he thus addressed me i felt sure it was a mistake or that he had a brain fever i disengaged myself from him saying sir compose yourself it is i then he looked at me with a stupid air and exclaimed who is it who's there what do you want with me and he passed at each question his hand over his brow as if to dispel the cloud which obscured his mind which obscured his mind capital well spoken we'll get up a melodrama amongst us 
methinks a man with such a power of words should try his hand at melodram chalamel will you be quiet what could ail the governor ma foi how can i tell but of this i'm sure that when he recovers he'll sing to another tune for he frowned terribly and said to me sharply without giving me time to reply what did you come for have you been here long am i to be surrounded with spies what did i say reply answer ma foi he looked so savage that i replied i heard nothing sir i only this moment entered you are not deceiving me no sir well what do you want some signatures sir give me the papers and then he signed and signed without reading half a dozen notarial deeds he who never put his initials to a deed without spelling it over word by word and twice over from one end to the other i remarked that from time to time his hand relaxed in the middle of his signature as if he were absorbed in some fixed idea then he went on signing very quick and as it were convulsively when all were signed he told me to retire and i heard him descend the small staircase which leads from his room to the courtyard i still ask what can be the matter with him gentlemen it is perhaps madame seraphin whom he regrets he what he regret any one now i think of it the porter said that the cure of bonne nouvelle and the vicar had called several times to see the governor and he was denied to them is not that surprising they who almost lived here what puzzles me is to know what the workpeople are at they have been working at the pavilion three days running and one evening they brought furniture covered up with a carpet perhaps he feels remorse for having put germain into prison talking of germain he will have some fine recruits in his prison poor fellow for i read in the gazette des tribunaux that the band of robbers and assassins whom they seized in the champs-elysees in one of the small underground public houses had been locked up in la force poor germain what society for him louise morel too will have her share of the recruits for in this gang they say there is a whole family of thieves then they will send the women to st lazare where louise is perhaps it was some of that gang who stabbed the countess one of the governor's clients he has often sent me to inquire after the state of this countess and seems much interested in her recovery did they let you enter the house and see the spot where the assassination was committed oh no i could not go farther than the entrance and the porter was not at all a person inclined to talk gents gents take your places here's the governor coming up shouted hop the gutter coming into the office with the carcass still in his hand the young men instantly took their seats at their respective desks over which they bent handling their pens with great dexterity whilst hop the gutter deposited his turkey skeleton in a box filled with law papers jacques ferrand entered the room his red hair mingled with grey escaping from beneath an old black silk cap fell in disorder down each side of his temples some of the veins which marbled his head appeared injected with blood whilst his face his flat nose his furrowed cheeks were all of ghastly paleness the expression of his look concealed by his large green spectacles could not be seen but the great alteration in the man's features announced the ravages of a consuming passion he crossed the office slowly without saying a word to one of the clerks or without even appearing to notice that they were there then went into the room in which the chief clerk was employed traversed it as well as his own cabinet and again instantly descended the small staircase which led to the courtyard 
jacques ferrand having left all the doors open behind him the clerks had a right to be astonished at the strange demeanour of their employer who had come up one staircase and gone down another without pausing for a moment in any of the apartments he had mechanically traversed End of chapter three read by celine major